What's going on, everybody? This is Black Men Sundays. I'm your host, Corey Sylvester Murray, and we're talking about generational wealth, finance, and business. It's a Black Man Sunday. Time to put all childish things away. I refuse to be the man I was yesterday. Gotta put my best And before we introduce today's guest, my man, Eric from Huntsville, Alabama, who do you have for our Black Men Sunday Spotlight, my brother? Hey, thanks for, thanks for that intro, uh, Corey. Hey, man, today's Black Men Sunday, I'm going to spotlight one of these unknown uh, historical figures that we may know of, but we know the character of the person, but never really heard of. This person name is Esther Jones. Now, have everybody seen the character of Betty Boop? Well, Betty Boop really was a colored white in the cartoon animations, but her real life story is black. You know, her character, her name is, was stolen from a cotton club singer named Esther Jones, known as by stage name, Betty Boop. And she kind of sang little songs and a baby like was like, I wanna be loved by you, by you, and nobody else but you. I wanna be loved by you alone. And that little baby was like that. You don't have to throw a little sound on that, a little sound effect on that. But anyway, um, that's what gave her her name, Betty Boot, because she sounded like a little baby when she talked. Now, Esther tried to win back the rights to Betty Boot for that character, but that was clearly based on her, but she was never able to do it. So that's one misconception of seeing Baby Boot was really a black woman. A stolen character. That's my spotlight for today, Miss Esther Jones. Back to you, Gordon. Oh, I see. I see. You did a quick spotlight today because you already know about that butt within last week. So I'm trying to say, man, Florida AM, Alabama AM. Come on, baby. Tell me, tell me who won that game last week. I think I forgot. Well, actually, it was, um, I don't think it was last week. It was, uh, well, yeah, last week it was, uh, you know what? The game was going neck to neck. And we was going to try to dethrone, take some fangs out of those chicken snakes. But evidently, man, the venom was a little bit too strong. And they did dethrone us. I mean, I hate to say it, but it was a great game. It was a great turnout, beautiful weather. The bands was off the chain. It was our high school senior day. So what I liked about it, a lot of uh, high school students got a chance to see two strong HBCUs battle each other to show you what the real powerful of what an HBCU school is like. So that's the best thing. You know, I would say that was the winners of the case was the high school students getting a chance to see all their raw talent. So those were the true winners. Anyway, back yeah. to you. Yeah, man, definitely. And real quick, before I let you go, man, you know, I kind of want to just enjoy this moment for like a little bit, because, you know, we've had a lot of guests from Alabama on the show We've had at least four from your school. So I just want you to admit, who's the real A&M? Alabama A&M or Florida A&M? Just say it one time for me, man. Man, I, I'm always going to say Alabama A&M, man. You think I'm going to bow down to fam you, man? I'm still going to be Alabama A&M to the heart. To the heart. I don't care how low we go. We're always going to go high. But that's just this season, though. Last year, y'all weren't really that good anyway. But, you know, y'all finally got into a chance to get into the swag where the real competition is. So I give you that. Yeah, yeah, you have to give us that because I think I mean we only won like six games in a row. Came to Alabama. No, actually seven. Okay, well that's even better. So thanks, thanks for just proving <laughs> my point even more, brother. Way, I, <laughs> hey man, I appreciate that spotlight, man, coming all the way from Huntsville, aka Hunts Vegas, Alabama. So now let's go on and introduce today's guest, man. We bringing the bread on here today, man. When we talking about securing the bag. Yeah, we're gonna learn all about that today. This brother here is an eight-figure millionaire. Eight figures, y'all. This brother, just like me on Black Men Sundays, when we were empowering brothers and sisters, we did a turkey drive in the community. This brother empowers in communities, man. This brother coached over 12,000 individuals. He's a stock market trader, a business investor. Man, let me tell you, I can't wait to have his brother on the show. This brother, when we talk about Sweat for Life, his first business, we're also going to talk about the health and wealth conversation. Because I think doing some research on this brother, this brother was on his mom's couch back in 08, and he was a thick brother. He's, he's pretty slim on here now. So without further ado, taste Sweat, my brother. Welcome to Black Men Sundays. How you doing? My man, my man. Hey, that was an amazing introduction. I appreciate it, man. I'm good. How are you? 
Oh, good, man. I'm ready to get started, man. So first off, you in Puerto Rico, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so I, I just want to jump in the game, man. You know, I, I want to talk about real estate off top. Our show is about generational wealth, finance, and business. And we're going to get to all that, but I want to get to the real mm -hmm. estate. You're in Puerto Rico. What? Why is Puerto Rico a good place for us to buy real estate these days? Well, I got to be honest with you. Right now, these days, it's not a good place. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because it is so inflated here. Uh, the real estate market was in, probably over the last three years was inflated due to what's called Act 60. Um, Act 60 here in Puerto Rico basically states that if you move to Puerto Rico and you move your business to Puerto Rico and you qualify under the Act 60, you know, implications they put in place, you get 0% capital gains taxes, <laughs> first of all. And then second, you get 4% on your corporate rate. Uh, so a lot of people are moving down just to save in taxes. However, that inflated the heck out of the, the market. So all of the real estate is just crazy overinflated. Wow. Well, that's great information, man. Because, you know, when I was checking your Instagram page, I think you only have like 1.1 million followers on your Instagram. You know, I see you out in Puerto Rico. Um, but one thing I want to talk about as well, segueing into real estate, the fully real estate is that, you know, a lot of day, a lot of brothers these days are saying, you know, with the inflation and nowadays rates are, cause I'm in Florida, the rates are almost 10% here, 10% in a house that was 150,000 five years ago, you almost about four or 500,000. So I feel like a lot of brothers are telling me, look, I'm being, I'm feeling discouraged. Like, why should I get into real estate? You know, why should I even get in the stock market? But let's take care of the real estate question first. But you see where I'm heading, though. When it comes to the real estate for me, honestly, man, uh, you look at the historical data, real estate always goes up. If we're being honest, over time, whatever you bought it for today, if you look at it five, 10 years from now, it's going to be more, right? It's going to be more. And that's going to automatically put you in a better place, especially if you, you know, you get into your real estate, you're taking care of it. It's whether it's your single family where you're standing for your, your personal residence, or if you're actually getting some commercial, it's good just to have that appreciation over time. Because most of the time, if I'm being totally you know, honest, most of our people in this country, we're spending money on crazy stuff. You know, I was a shoe head. I remember seeing something you talked about, right? You know, we buy a bunch of shoes. I think you said $12,000 in shoes, right? I'm a sneakerhead. I was spending money on shoes. I could have had a lot of appreciation on that if I just bought a house. So uh, I love the appreciation on it. Yeah, definitely, man. And let's let's take it back real quick, because as I said in the intro, you know, you on your mom's couch. The market crashed in two in two thousand eight. Fast forward to today, you know, you were eight figure millionaire. So let's just take it back then. You know, how did you get from the couch back in the game? I was maybe nineteen at the time. I had a pretty good job. I decided, hey, you know, college is not for me. So let me get to work. So I'm still a guy who wants to, you know, let me go get a trade. Let me find a way to still be productive. So I got a trade and I worked at this uh, it was a warehouse at the time. I was making about 80K a year at the time. And, you know, for a 19 year old, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling rich, you know, 80K a year. So I bought a house. I bought my first house at 19. Um, everything is going great. I have a car. I have the house. I have the lady. I feel like I'm on top of the world. Well, I did not uh, know much about, you know, finances or uh, market cycles, the economy, had no idea about it. So moving in on 20, 2007, 2008, 2009, nobody knew, well, I didn't, I didn't know about a, you know, a recession, what is that, <laughs> right? And I got hit out of nowhere with the, the recession, the market, uh, the housing market crashed, everything just went bad. I lost my job. Uh, House, uh, house note got behind. Before you know it, man, I had to let go of the house, file bankruptcy. They came and repossessed the car. Uh, I mean, literally, I went back to zero, square one. Uh, moved back then. Uh, moved back then with my mom. Hadn't been with my mom since I was maybe sixteen. So I feel, you know, I'm nineteen. I feel bad, right? I feel bad. So, like, look, man, I'm supposed to be a man. I'm supposed to be out of mom's house, and here I am, back on the living room floor. That's starting over. You know, I had to start over from there. So that's pretty much, you know, sums up what happened to me, man, back in, you know, the 2008 crash. Definitely. And tell us the emphasis for uh, Sweat for Life. So 
Swear for Life, for the most part, started from that crash. So as I go through the crash and I'm on my mom's floor, number one thing I'm thinking about is how do I not go through this again? I, I never want to go through this again. I need to know about, because of course I had to file bankruptcy. So I need to know about getting back as far as my credit. I had to get my credit back right. I need to figure out what the heck happened to me. So I need to definitely know what's going on there. And the biggest thing is I will never, ever, ever be at the mercy of someone telling me, hey, you're no longer working here. You no longer have a job. So I said, hey, I want to start a business. I'm going to create my own job. <laughs> right. So I go out, I create my own job. Sweat for Life was the business or the job that I created. And basically the Sweat for Life came in because as I, you know, transitioned through, uh, you know, my teens, I was a big guy, I was a real big guy. And, you know, I was 330 pounds, give or take. Um, and I had ended up losing over 120 pounds. And so by the time I'm 21, 22, I started personal training because everybody's looking at me thinking, whatever you did, you need to do it for a living. <laughs> you need to help other people lose this weight. So I said, okay, great. I'm starting my own job, Sweat for Life. And that job is going to be what I've already been doing, which is working out, you know, helping people lose weight. I was passionate about it. I had diabetes. I had uh, high blood pressure. Uh, I had horrible eczema on my face. Uh, so I changed my diet. I got certified in nutrition. So I went and did, like I said, I like the trades. So I went, got my trade uh, certification in that, got certified in personal training and Sweat for Life was on its way up. Definitely. And, you know, speaking of um, health, are you on a treadmill right now? <laughs> yes, sir. So uh, I'm on a treadmill now, man. And I have what's called it's a treadmill desk. And for me, you know, was on a when I was a personal trainer, I used to tell my clients all the time, hey, there's no excuses. We got we to gotta figure a way to get it in. Right. So for me, I said, listen, I'm a busy entrepreneur. I'm a busy man. I'm, look, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I have stuff to do. I'm very busy. So sometimes I just can't get to the gym. I said, I'll tell you what, if I could walk at a very slow pace for two, three, four hours a day while I'm working, how many calories can I burn? So I put a watch on and I just started walking and working. And before I knew it, I was burning two, 3000 calories a day, just walking at a very slow pace. So it really is a game changer for anybody out there looking to find that way to fit it in. It's the way to do it. Oh, wow. Great information, man. You're making me feel bad. I just had me a Cobb salad from Wendy's before this interview. I was thinking I was eating a little healthy, even though I got an extra vinaigrette. I thought I was being a little healthy. This man on the interview walking on the treadmill, man, you embarrassing me right now. But it's all good, though. It's all good. You got the eight figures. It's all good. So for my, so for my next question, man, I kind of want to stay on the, uh, the wealth health topic because I hear a lot of brothers all the time, man. I haven't been to the doctor and I don't remember how long. You know, his brothers in their 20s and 30s that felt like, you know, I'm good. I feel fine. Everything's fine. I have time. You know, what advice would you give, especially financial advice? And I'm going to throw the two-part question on you as well. You know, our show is about generational wealth, but I feel like you can't build generational wealth without the health. So what is your advice on because everybody wants to, you know, when they look at you, they see the cars, they see the celebrity friends, they see the house, they see the beautiful family. But the health part, I feel like people don't talk about that. So, from your point of view, just, you know, talk about the importance of health in achieving generational wealth. Absolutely, man. Uh, I, I, I agree. I think it's, they go hand in hand. You can't have wealth without the health. And the reason why I say that is because. Where I come from, every wealthy person that I got to see, you know, as a personal trainer, I got to work with a lot of wealthy people. Those are usually the only people who can afford personal training, right? And what I noticed was my average personal training client was trying to recoup from what he or she has lost, meaning they put their health on the back burner. And now what they're doing is trying to catch up. They're trying to play catch up. Hey, man, I'm, I'm sick. I got this going on. I just need you to fix it. Right. And for me, I'm one of those people that, you know, I like to use my common sense. So I don't need to experience what someone goes through myself. I could just look at what you went through and decide I don't want that to happen to me. So I'm watching these people go through all of these issues after they achieve, you know, the wealth. 
And I'm thinking to myself, man, I really, you know, as a man, right? And I know you can, you can feel me on this. As a man, a manly man, we want our families to know, hey, we, we got your back. I'm, I'm the man. I got this. I'm the provider. I got you. And I started telling myself, well, if I'm going to build a family, I need to be healthy enough to be around to provide because that's part of the, the providing, right? So you can't have the wealth and, and the, the, the empire building. You can't do that if you're on a hospital bed. <laughs> you just can't, right? You can't do that in a compromised you know, state. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, I need to be a warrior. I need to be able to fight. You know, I'm an athlete, so I play basketball. So I'm thinking like, look, I need to be able to fight. I need to be able to get up and do whatever I need to do. And I need to be in fighting shape is what we usually say. Like, I get back in my fighting shape. I need to be in fighting shape. And part of that fighting and that warrior mentality, especially in entrepreneurship, is being on your health, being at that level where, hey, if you're going to move and work 14 hours a day, I'm going to work 16. And the only way I can do that is to be in good health. So for me, it, you can't have the wealth without the health. This is very important. Definitely. And, you know, let's go back to your brand, you know, Sweat for Life. You know, I think a secure the bag comes to mind. You know, you hear the rappers talking about that, you know, secure the bag, secure the bag. So let's talk about like, just where did that mindset come from? Man, look, the one thing, I'm glad you asked me that question because the one thing that I got out of personal training was I was able to, you know, most unfortunately, majority of my personal training clients were white, they were white clients, Indian, some of them were Indian, but very, 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 very few of them were black. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, why is that? Why is that? Is it that we don't need personal training? No, that's not it. Is it that we don't want it? I don't think that's it either. So I started thinking, I said, man, the economy, the economy of it. So as I would talk to brothers, I'm thinking, hey, man, why don't you come down and see me at the personal training studio? Man, I got you. Oh, man, I can't afford this, this, and that. Or I said, okay, 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 okay. I'll tell you what. Here's what you need to eat, right? You mentioned the Cobb salad, right? So I'm like, look, go get a Cobb salad, right? <laughs> go get you a Cobb salad and get you some good water. That's a good start. Ah, well, you know, man, that Cobb's out a little bit more expensive. You know, if I just go get me a 99 cent burger, it'd be a little bit better. I think, huh, shit, okay. Okay, okay, well, so it's a financial issue. Okay, so I need to teach you how to make some money. I need to, first of all, figure out what's going to appeal to you when it comes to making money. And then I need to teach you how to do it. So at the time, uh, you know, I'm slowly starting to climb out of that hole, right? So, you know, get out of my mom's house, off my mom's floor. I get my own condo. Things starting to look good. And I'm, making, I'm, I'm right back at, you know, $70,000, $80,000 a year. I'm feeling good. So I started investing um, just a little something here and there. Then I get a client who was a billionaire. His name was Charlie. And Charlie, he's, you know, he got a little gimpy leg. He's like, hey, man, if you can help me fix my leg, I'll do whatever you need me to do, like, Whatever money you want, just help me fix my leg. I said, listen, keep your money. I said, I need you to teach me what you did to make that money. How did you get where you are? I said, I'll train you for free. You just need to teach me the game. So that arrangement, you know, played out over time, probably, you know, a few months, maybe even a year or so. And I started to learn exactly what private equity was, and what it meant to make money off of your money versus going out and trading time for dollars, Right. And I said, huh, okay, this is what my people need right here. And that, as it started to manifest for me, I started making thousands and thousands and then hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I'm like, huh, you know, millionaire now at this point, you know, as it's going along, I'm thinking, okay, invest in your business, invest in somebody else's business, Apple, Microsoft, whatever, right? As I'm investing, I'm thinking, oh, you gonna, you gonna double, triple my money? I like this. So that allowed me to start seeing that, okay, you know what? This is what my people were missing. This is what my fellas, you know, when I'm on a basketball court and we're talking about health and they say they can't afford certain foods, this is what they're missing. So I said, I'll tell you what, as I make money and now that I have the success I have, I think they'll look at me and go, okay, whatever you're doing, teach me. So I started actually doing the things that I needed to do. Because if you just say, hey, man, I'm investing in the stock market, you should come check it out. Let me teach you something. Our people will look at you like, huh, I don't know, man. <laughs> what, what, what's that stock market thing? It's a scam, right? I don't, I don't know about that. It's not worth it. 
So what I then had to do, my man, I said, listen, I need to give my people a vision of what can be done. I have to give you what you want. So you'll then want to ask me, how did I get it? So that, because I was, I was never a flashy guy, right? Never bought a watch, no jewelry, literally the whole time I'm investing in my business. Never did any of that. I still drove a Toyota Camry. At this time, I'm a millionaire driving a Toyota Camry, 2010 Toyota Camry, right? Um, and I remember I'm trying to teach and I'm trying to figure it out. How can I get your attention? I had popcorn silly. And somebody on the live, uh, I was doing a live chat. He goes, how are you going to teach us about uh, wealth? You got popcorn silly. I said, huh. It kind of hurt. I was like, wow. I said, okay. I said, is that what we think? I said, you need to see the wealth, huh? I said, okay. I said, I'll do, I do this for you. I went out the very next week. I bought a... <laughs> about a G-Wagon, <laughs> the very next week, and I, and I filmed it, and literally, I did a video, another live chat in the G-Wagon, I said, just bought a G-Wagon, it's a $200,000 truck, bought it cash, you know, yada, 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 and I saw the numbers go crazy, and everybody's like, how'd you do it, teach me, teach me, teach I said, ah, there it is, that is when I knew then, you need to see it, we need to see it. So I went from there, man, and, and that's how it all grew into Secure the Bag. Oh, uh, yeah, because that, I mean, that took off, man. Like I said, you hit a rappers with it. Just how, you know, after building your brand, how did you secure such um, high-level relationships as well? So it's a really good question because, honestly, as I look back, I, I still am kind of surprised how I did it myself. <laughs> um, so I'm a very generous man, and, and anytime someone comes in my space, I want to help. How can I, what do you need help with? What do you need help with? So as I'm moving throughout, you know, my, my journey, anybody who would come in my space, I'd help them. How can I add value to your life? And I remember, I'd say this is, so I was living in DC, Washington, DC at the time. Uh, and technically it was the DMV because I was in Alexandria. And I met a guy at, at the basketball court, basically. He said, hey, man, I saw your G-Wagon outside. He's like, that's beautiful, right? What do you do? So I started telling him, I teach him a little something here and there. I said, listen, man, this is what I do. This is what you can do. It, it, trust me, this is what all of the big dogs do. There's three things rich people do to make money. Number one, they're going to get into real estate, which is why I like your real estate questions. Number two, they're going to start or buy somebody's business. And number three, they're going to get in the uh, stock market which is still another way of buying business or equity into a business. I said, man, if, if the rich people are doing that and every rich person I know plays one of those three, if not all three, I said, look, if you want to get rich, that's the way you need to go. That's it. So I helped this guy and that started my journey of, okay, man, I like the way you talk. You should go talk to this person. Here's his number. And that started this wildfire of connections. And everywhere I go and every, you know, every room I would go into, I talk like this and I get people's attention. And they're like, man, who's this black dude? <laughs> who's this big black guy talking about wealth, man? I, I hadn't heard much. Like, you know, I don't see many people doing that. And that just started getting more and more attention and pushed me to next levels, next levels, next levels. So as I helped more people, they wanted to give me those connections. So uh, there's one really big connection. Uh, I want to tell a story about Gucci man, Gucci man, right? A lot of people know who Gucci is, right? And I, I get to a point, I said, listen, you know, at the time, you know, I come from, I'm from the South, born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee. And we listen to Gucci. So I'm thinking, okay, if I'm really going to make an impact, I need to hip hop my approach, which once again, where Secure the Bag comes from, because I'm thinking, okay, how do I reach my people? Like, I need to make it appealing. So I'm like, okay, cool. Well, can somebody, I put on my page, and at this time, you know, I had grown my page pretty big. It was maybe 500,000 uh, followers. I just put, I, I put it out there. I said, look, I've helped a lot of y'all. Now I need help from you. I'm, I'm, now I'm asking for something. I said, listen, if you can help me connect to Gucci Man, I want him to make me a song. And if he can make me a theme song for Secure the Bag, that'll just take, 
take it to the next level because now people are going to realize that hip hop and wealth and the conversation of wealth go hand in hand now. And I'm making it that way. So literally it took like 10 minutes and somebody's like, I, I know his manager, Snake. Shout out to Snake. I know his manager, Snake. Man, look, I can make that happen. And what I offered, I said, listen, if you can get me this connection, I'll give you free entry into Secure the Bag. So, you know, at the course, people are making money in the course. So now everybody just wants in. They didn't want to spend money, but if they can make that connection, they want it in. So get the connection. We meet. And Snake's like, look, man, Gucci don't do nothing for free. What you got for me? And I'm like, listen, just give me his, you know, give me his price. I do what I can. and we'll, we'll make it happen. So he says, okay, I talked to Gucci. He's willing to do the theme song for you. Um, I need you to fly to Miami by noon tomorrow. I'm in Puerto Rico. It's hard to get a flight. <laughs> and I'm thinking, how in the heck is this going to work? Well, luckily, um, I had some friends. Once again, they make some calls for me. And I get a pretty reasonable jet uh from puerto rico booked to miami literally that night so we make it over to puerto rico well or excuse me, from puerto rico well gucci wanted cash and he wanted a hundred thousand dollars cash i'm like i don't know who you think i am gucci i'm like i ain't never seen a hundred thousand cash i was like wait a minute <laughs> like i said listen i can send you a wire <laughs> but cash i don't know i'm gonna get that so this is right around COVID. So, you know, the banks, they're not really cash friendly. So you can't go in and get cash because they're like, we don't want to touch nothing, you know? So I'm like, man, how am I going to get this money? Well, luckily, Gucci comes around. He's like, look, no, actually, I asked him. I said, look, you want cash because you're trying to avoid taxes, right? I said, look, I'll pay your taxes on the money. I said, taxes on 100K at, at, at the highest level is going to be about 40%. So I said, I need to add about 40% to the 100K. I said, so how about I give you $150,000 cash or, or wire and you accept that and you make this damn, <laughs> you make this video for me, right? make this music. And he accepts it. I send it to him and then we were off to the races <laughs> after a long day trying to get into Miami. Um, and so he meets me and the first thing he goes is, and this is what I love about the story the most. He goes, who are you? I've never heard of you. You're not a rapper. You're not a, you know, like, who are you? And how are you able to move like this? You booked a jet that cost you 20K. You sent, you sent me extra money. He said, you move like an executive of one of these labels. I said, that's exactly what I am. I said, I'm an executive. I said, but I run my own business. And I said, what I do is I teach people how to be financially literate. I said it to you, you may think that this $150,000 that I just sent you might be a bad investment. I said, but to me, this is the entry and the, the social proof I need to reach more of my people. And we, we stood outside the studio. We talked about an hour just about that. And I reached Gucci man just by that. And, and I, now I'm in his head and he's like, man, I should invest more. I should do this. I should do that. And I knew then, I said, my job here is done. <laughs> so he made the song, we got it. And now, you know, it's, it's history. So yeah, it's, it's the theme song now. Yeah, definitely, man. Because you hear security bag all over the place. And I'm like, is this his or is, is this someone else's? But, you know, obviously we know it's Brother Sweats. All right, fellas, you know, you know y'all know I could Iverson all day right now. I was about to, but let me, let me go ahead and let some of my brothers get on the mic. Go ahead, fellas. Yeah, this is Kalali out of, out of Maryland. So I was in the barbershop yesterday. I was talking to uh I was talking to a couple of cats in the barbershop and we we're talking about um, you know, the future, like like how how young people should plan strategically in this new environment. So I guess I'm gonna put that question to you in a way is um because you talked about how you, you know, you like, you know, you you took the trade route. You like you you got certifications, you got trades. You know what I mean? And you use that, you know what I'm saying, to leverage your 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 initial business. So um, could you share with us a little bit of what that grind is like and what your mindset has to be like to um, have the kind of business acumen and the kind of business tenacity necessary to turn a trade into your own business? Because you can you can have a trade, but you're still going to be working for somebody else. 
how do you take that trade and make that trade into a business that you run for yourself that you can use to bring capital in for yourself that you can then turn um, into money that works for you? Honestly, I have to credit a lot of it to the chip on my shoulder that I had, right? And I say that because, you know, where I come from, like I said, in the South, you know, you're a black man in the South, you got to go get some education. You got to go to school, right? That's all we know. And so I, I'm kind of going against the grain by not going to college. And mm -hmm. I have this chip on my shoulder. And so for me, I'm thinking, okay, not only am I going to go get a trade and start a business. And the reason, the only reason why I did it was I was looking around at all of the options that college led to. And I couldn't find anybody making more than a quarter million a year. Like after you get out of school and, you know, you get your degree, even if you go PA, I knew PhDs, I couldn't find anybody making more than a quarter million. Well, I grew up poor. And so I'm thinking to myself, once again, I'm the man. I want to beat my chest. I want to provide for my family. I'm thinking to myself, I got to be rich because I got to take care of moms, baby brother. I got to get a wife. I got to take care of my children, her. So I'm thinking, I need a lot of money. And this college route don't look like I can make enough. Right? So I'm thinking, who makes all the money? And I started seeing that it was the, the entrepreneurs or the, the business owners, the Jeff Bezos, and the, you know, so I'm thinking, okay, so I need to start a business. I need to get a trade. And now I'm going against the grain. So I can't make them right. I can't, I got to make sure I make enough money so they don't go, see, I told you to take your butt to college. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because at the time, the woman I was dating at the time, actually, this is my ex-wife, but before we even got married, her dad, uh, was high up in TSU. So he, he HBCU, right? Uh, I know my man not going to like this, but so they were Alabama A&M and TSU, you know, the whole family, <laughs> right? Oh. And he's telling me, hey, you got to go back to school. You got to go back to school. So I have this chip on my shoulder the whole time. And I'm thinking, listen, I'm not going back to school. I need to, you know, follow this journey. And I did get this trade and turn it into a business. And I made a promise to him. I said, you, you want me to be able to take care of your daughter, right? That's why you're telling me to go back to college. And this is where that edge came from. So, so watch this. You have to have something super strong, a really big why. Like, what's your why? You have to have a really big why to even be able to take the big role of entrepreneurship and turn that trade into an actual you know, business. Mm -hmm. And I, I tell, you know, my girl's dad at the time, I said, listen, you're worried that I'm not going to be able to take care of your daughter. I said, so here's the thing. I said, how much do you make a year as a you know professor? I think he was actually in the admin department or something like that. I said, you know, you're pretty high up at the school. I said, how much do you make a year? He tells me 150, 140,000 a year. I said, okay. I said, if I start making more than you taking my route, will you get off my back? He looked at me, he sat back. He's like, huh. He said, well, brother Sweat, I tell you what, if you can make more than me, I can't argue with that. And that was the chip on my shoulder I needed to, to get moving. So from there, I took the business, right? And I, that was my why. That was my big why. And as an athlete, if you give me anything to jump over, I'll jump over. And so my big why was I got I to gotta impress and prove my girl's dad. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta impress him and prove him wrong. So honestly, if anybody asks me that question, what does it take? You gotta have a really big why, because it's gonna take sleepless nights. It's gonna be some days where you have to work for free. You know, entrepreneurship is not pretty. Right. They say, hey, I want to leave. You know, I hear people say, I want to leave my job and go, you know, I want to leave my nine to five and go be an entrepreneur. I say, well, are you ready to be working instead of nine to five? Are you ready to work nine to 12? And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine to 12. That's, that's perfect. I said, no, 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 no. Not 9 a.m. to noon. No. <laughs> no. I mean, nine, 9 a.m. to midnight. And they're like, wait a minute, what? I say, yeah, because that's what it takes. So are you ready to work that long, number one? And number two, 
are you ready to you know there's no off days there's no weekend it's seven days a week it's 20 hours a day sometimes <laughs> you know and sometimes you're not going to get paid for the services that you put in but if you can wrap your mind around that and still work just as hard as you should, I think you, you'll be you'll be all right. That's what's up, man. I definitely appreciate you saying that because, like, right now, that's a huge conversation. I think you're probably aware of it. We all aware of it in our conversation about what is the worth of a of a college education versus you know what is the worth of going a trade route. And you know, my point of view on it is whatever route you pick have a strategy of success. What is your strategy of success? How are you going to succeed? What are you going to, okay, what are you going to use that? You're getting a bachelor's degree. What are you going to use that degree for? How is that going to make money for you? Are you going to need to go to graduate school to get another? What what kind of investment in terms of loans are you going to take out? Is that going to cost you? On the other end, right? If you're in a trade, you know, if you're going to trade route, um, how many hours are you going to have to invest? Just like you said in yourself to make that a reality in terms of getting the business. What is it? So I just, I just enjoy the fact that you, you helping us map out like what the real picture of that is, you know? So uh, definitely appreciate, definitely hats off to you for the grind. I would say that you're, you know, just from listening to your story, I would say that your why wasn't, you had a chip on your shoulder most definitely, but, <laughs> but your why wasn't really proving him wrong. Your why was provision. You wanted to provide for yourself, your family, um, and anybody around you. And so the provision is really what your why was. And so, you know, um, and I think that pushed you to, to higher levels. You know, him giving you a mark to shoot for it just gave you somewhere to shoot. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I would agree with that. Absolutely. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but definitely appreciate that. Um, so you talked about uh also you talked about uh things you learned from you know your contact with people who are financially successful in terms of getting uh uh getting uh involved with real estate um buying or starting a business and um also investing in the stock market um again i want to go back to like just the mentality of it like is there is there any one thing you could say you learned from all the people that you contact that you were in contact with in terms of their mentality that allowed them to succeed, say, where other people didn't or even for yourself, where like, you know, in 2008, you you, you hit the bottom. What, what 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 was the what was in you that was like, oh, man, I need to get back up and I need to keep moving. Now, that's a good question, because my answer to that is not. It's not the textbook answer, you know, a lot of people probably expect. So for me, I wanted to get around wealthy people to see what's so different about y'all. That was really what I was thinking. Like, what's, what, what do you have that I don't have? Because I really feel like where we come from, you know, where I come from, especially, we look at rich people like this, like thing, like Oh, you know, they must be doing something weird, you know, Illuminati, you know, we got all kinds of things we're making excuses about, really? you know, weird. like, what is it? So I just wanted to get around them. And as I got around them and I'm asking them things like, for example, hey, I need you to follow this diet plan <laughs> or I need you to show up to this workout at this time and be on time. What I noticed that majority, like 98% of my clients their discipline was horrible, horrible. Like they couldn't stick to a diet. They couldn't do these things. And I had a conversation with one of my doctors. He, you know, he was a surgeon at Vanderbilt. And he went to, I mean, very prestigious. He, I went to Harvard and Brown and I have this, you know, degree and uppity. And I'm like, okay. I said, but you can't follow my diet though. I said, so. And I asked him because I was, I'm, I'm hard on my clients. I said, listen. I said, every time I ask you to follow something, you just, you can't follow it. And you have an excuse of why you didn't follow it. I said, is this how you got to Harvard? Is this how you became a doctor? I said, what, what did you do to even make it to this point? Because you have no discipline. <laughs> and he looked at me, he's looking like, who the hell are you? Like, literally he's looking at me like almost ready to fight. And I'm talking to him, I'm in his face, I'm like, and I told him, and, and so that was my light bulb moment because I then told myself after that conversation, I said, man, these rich people are no different than me. I said, as a matter of fact, I'm more disciplined than they are. I said, so if you can get there with the little amount of discipline you have, I'm about to eat your lunch. 
I told, I, and I told him, I told him one day, because he was a good friend of mine too. You know, we ended up becoming friends. I told him, I said, look, man, I see what you've been able to do with your life. And I realized that you're no different than me. And as a matter of fact, I'm probably better than you are. <laughs> I just don't have the money yet. I said, but watch this. I'm, I'm coming for your lunch. And he said, well, I received that and I respect that. <laughs> and, you know, here we are, right? Yeah. So honestly, man, what I got to see being around those, you know, more rich people, more of a, you know, a higher class financially speaking, I got to see that they were no different. I got to see that they bleed the way I bleed. They put their pants on the way I put my pants on. And as a matter of fact, I consider myself better. And at that point, that's all I needed to know that I can go get what they had. Mm. So it took the excuses out of the way for me. It, mm. it, it, it took the, the pie in the sky idea that you have to do something so extreme to get there or that you have to be a vampire or Illuminati or something to get there. Mm. You just need to be disciplined, put in the work, you know, find a good plan and attack that plan. And so when I saw that, I knew then that <laughs> the world is mine. <laughs> man man that's that's a, that's a gem we need to just like capture that piece right there what you just dropped right there is a huge gem and 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 the reason I, I'm, I'm gonna say that is because i think you know for those of us who they say you know you know have lesser than or, or have less opportunity or you know minority people or whatever i think we need to hear that is that like the adversity that we face right the adversity that we face molds us and makes us more creative more determined and more innovative than some of the people who we look up to as the most successful and if we could just know that you know and know that that's actually like like lesser means in some ways is actually a strength you know what i mean it, it makes you it makes you sharper sometimes than the people who you even look it up to. So, man, I hope it, yeah, man. Thanks for that. Right. That that right there was worth. I always say I always say when people drop the gems, I say that right there is worth the price of admission, even though this is free. You know, what I'm <laughs> that right there is worth the price of admission. So, man, I definitely appreciate you uh, taking the time to come talk to us. Today, you know, um, really appreciate your whole journey and, and and how you picked yourself up and your tenacity and your success and just wish you all the best, man. Appreciate it. Man, I appreciate you for that, man. Most definitely. You know, I would just like to say, kind of piggyback off of uh, of, uh, of Tay, you know, he mentioned about the discipline. And that's, what, you know, that's the discipline is with anything that we do. Uh, we have to get to the point, if you want to be successful, you have to get to the point where you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's what a lot of people are afraid or do not want to do. You know, anything that, you know, that's worth winning, worth having, you got to be willing to, to take the uncomfortable part of it because, you know, dieting, you know, saving money, anything that we do that we want to be successful in, it's, it's not, it's hard to do. You know, we don't want to, you know, we like to stay in our comfort zone. We don't want to stretch out because when we stretch out to that next level, that's where the reward is. So, just want to piggyback off of that. That's that's just my comment. And I appreciate uh you Tay for the you know that insightful information. And it's you know, we definitely want to take it to heart. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you. First off, man, you enjoying yourself on Black Men Sundays? Absolutely. You know, this is the conversation I love having, man, you know, with, with my boys, my guys, right? So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely, man. So before I let you out of here, I just wanna, you know, jump on a uh stock market. You know, if I'm looking at your portfolio, what companies am I going to see on there, especially in 2023? I like things that can't be manipulated as much. Let's say that because I feel like a lot of stuff is manipulated in the stock market. And what I mean by that is in the stock market, if you have a smaller company, anyone with a large amount of money can manipulate that stock. Right. If you sell too much of it, I mean, Bitcoin is the same way. If you sell too much Bitcoin, Bitcoin falls. If you buy too much of it, Bitcoin runs up and it doesn't take a lot of money. And, you know, in, in retrospect, if you're looking at it, you know, billions of dollars is not a lot of money in the stock market. Right. So if someone can come in with a couple billion, buy up, you know, Bitcoin with a few billion and drive the price up $10,000. Easy. So now that we know that, me, I like things that can't be manipulated as much. So I'm going S&P 500. I'm going NASDAQ. I'm going, I'm going to the index that it's going to take you trillions of dollars to, you know, move that and to manipulate that. 
So I like those. So you can get into like the DTI, the VOO. Uh, these are some of those safer dividend paying stocks. Now, that is boring also, though. So I have to say that because a lot of people come into this world for the, you know, the gambling habits, you know. <laughs> and I, I always tell people, listen, I'm not going to tell you not to gamble. I'm going to tell you how to gamble. So for my people who want to play the gambling thing, because I'm sure I got somebody here who wants to, and that's okay. But I usually tell people, I say, listen, put the bulk of your money in something safe. And I have what's called an 80-20 principle. I said, so if you want to gamble, we're going to gamble with less than 20% of your overall amount of money you have. So if you lose it, you lose all of the 20%, cool. You still have 80% taking you where you want to go, right? Now, in the stock market, I also say, now, there's a smart way to gamble and there's a stupid way to gamble. You have one way to roll the dice and it's a 50-50 chance that you're going to win. That's the stupid way, right? Then you have what we call a high probability way to gamble. That's the way I play. So I can tie in a bunch of things, like literally presidential cycles. See, this, is, this comes from me having to go through bankruptcy and sleeping on my mom's floor. I learned about cycles and that the market moves in cycles. So every four years, guess what? There's going to be some market movement because every four years there's a new president or at least a new election. So the market is going to move based on that. So right before the president has to go up for election, guess what? Out of the blue, the stock market does better. Why? Because the president can beat his chest and say, hey, put me back in office. Look at our stock market. So every year leading up to the election, we're going to get a bullish, you know, there's going to be, when I say bullish, that just means the market moves up. There's going to be a bullish move up in the market. So I'm thinking to myself, huh, that's one cycle. Then we have an eight to 10 year cycle where you're going to have a, some type of crash slash recession every eight to 10 years. It just happens, right? There's debt cycles. <laughs> There's, so, uh, we call it solar cycles, right? Where the market follows, believe it or not, solar cycles. So every 10, 11 years, roughly, it's called a decennial cycle. All right, I'm going to bring a little game here. <laughs> And that decennial cycle basically just says whenever the sun is at its peak, so is the stock market. Now, why is that? Because somebody's going to call BS on what I'm saying right now. But why is that, though? Well, we are sun people, humans, period. We're sun people. We gravitate to wherever the sun is. When we go on vacation, we don't go to the cold most of the time. <laughs> Some people do. We go to the beach. We want to go to the beach. We want to go where it's nice and sunny because it's more vibrant. We're going to eat. We're going to have margaritas. We're going to do this and that. We're going to dance. We're going to have some fun, right? It's beautiful out. It's warm. You can take your clothes off, whatever. That's because the sun is the action. It, it, it gives us that fuel for action. We love it. So when the sun is at its peak, it pushes out this radiation. It pushes out this energy that fuels us. We want to go shop brunch you know the girls going to brunch with their mimosas and they you know they're hanging out right well guess what that spending activity pushes all of your results in the businesses higher so because the sun is high and it's making us want to be out in the streets sun's out guns out right so we say so we're out you know sun's out we're hanging out we're having fun well we're going to spend more money we're going to travel more we're going to do more this is going to be more economic activity because the sun is at this peak Okay, great. Well, when the sun is at its peak and more economic activity is going on, guess what? The earnings of these businesses are going to be much better. So because these businesses are getting better earnings, that makes their stock go up. So for me, I can just track that by itself and make a crap ton of money. I'll hold a stock for two years, take it to the top and get out of there. <laughs> right? So that's one of the things I, I, I watch. It's a higher probability way of playing the game. Right. Of course, I'm, I'm into technical analysis as well, where we get in, you know, get on the charts and we look at the stock based on its chart. And I could tell you where the stock is going just looking at the chart. So there are many ways and many probabilities that I like to use to make that happen. And, and it gives me a much higher rate of winning than any old roll the dice gamble. So BITI, uh, BTI, <laughs> that's super safe. VOO, super safe. And then that 20% of my money that I want to trade and kind of gamble, I want to spread it across. So 
if let's just say we have $10,000 and I want to put eight of it into a super safe, you know, vehicle, I'm going to now quote unquote gamble the other 2000, right? So 2000, I may spread it across maybe one stock, but five different positions. I say, okay, give me some here. Okay. And then if you don't bounce from there, give me some at a lower price. If you don't bounce from there, give me a little bit more there. And then boom. The reason why I like this quote unquote gamble is because my returns can be much faster. So for example, we made 300% on an S&P 500 move last week, 300%. That's not 300% on the overall account because your 80% should be over, you know, tucked off somewhere. That's 300% on the 20% that you put in. So 300% on $2,000, that's solid, that's 6,000. <laughs> That's, that's pretty solid. And we did that in a couple of weeks. You know, it was a, a swing. We call it a swing trade where you get in, you hold it, you let it hit your target. So this is the, the gamble that I'm talking about because it is more risky. Absolutely. But if you know the game and you know how to play it, it can be done very successfully. You know, I, I speak to a lot of brothers all the time. They, You know, especially brothers close to retirement. They say, man, don't mess with that stock market. I played the stock market in 2000. I was about to retire. It messed all my money up. I had brothers retired around 2008, and I had no 401k. I had to work another extra four or five years. Don't do that. A lot of the older brothers are saying real estate and gold. So what are your thoughts on gold? That's a great question. So gold is what most people would refer to God's money, right? So I like gold. I like gold. I like real estate. But the way I look at all of the, the landscape of investing, you have some of it that is a growth vehicle, and then you have some of it that's a preservation vehicle. I see gold and real estate as preservation. Make the money, sit it over there, and it'll preserve the money. Because usually they will either keep up with or slightly outperform inflation, right? So for me, the stock market is a much faster, and, and, and that's the, the unfortunate part about it. You have volatility in the, in the markets, and with volatility, it's a good and a bad, it's a double-edged sword. So yeah, you can make up a lot of money, but you can lose a lot if you're not playing right, which is once again, why I say you have to split it up, right? And the reason why I say this is because, so to your point, a lot of guys who lose everything or lose a lot of money in these crashes, what were they doing? All of it was in the pot. <laughs> so when things went wrong, they lost all of it or, it, you know, a lot of it got hit. So that's why I always say, hey, if you, let's just say we go 401k. Okay, cool. Go 401k. Make sure you have some on the side and maybe even hedge. The way you hedge is, hey, if you're going this way, there's something you can buy to bet this way. So as it falls, you make money. Right? So we hedge. That's all that is. Okay. Um, but as far as the, the real estate, once again, I do. I'm a big fan of real estate. I'm a big fan of gold. Um, <laughs> I had to teach my brothers this because I have to do what I can to get our attention, right? And I say, listen, it's not the best way to buy gold or collect gold. But if you just have to, buy some gold jewelry, man. Make sure it's solid gold. Make sure it's, you know, gold, gold. But a lot of my brothers were having trouble buying gold and then putting it under the bed or buying gold and just sitting it in a bank deposit box, right? So we want to see our gold. We want to touch it. We want to, you know, we want to be able to show it off. I say, hey, buy Rolex, $10,000 Rolex, all gold. Don't get too fancy, no diamonds. Go get a Rolex. And if you can get the right one, do your research. It's going to take some research if you're going to do it, but go get a Rolex. Okay, cool. 10 years at Rolex, 5X, 10X in value a lot of times, right? And you get to wear it the whole time, right? So I'm not just, and I'm saying this because I'm not just a stock trader. <laughs> I trade everything, right? I bought a $700,000 Lamborghini, right? Cash. And only reason I did it, because I literally took stocks to do it. The only reason I did it is because that one specific Lamborghini was the last of its kind. They weren't going to make any more like that. It was only 700 made, and I knew the knuckleheads who were going to buy it, half of them were going to crash it, <laughs> driving the Lamborghini. So I said, hey, I want to buy this Lamborghini. 
and I'm going to preserve it. And in about two, three, four, five years, it'll double in value. Well, I'd say in three years, that $700,000 Lamborghini was worth a hundred, uh, excuse me, 1.2 million. I sold that Lamborghini after doing donuts in it and having fun, right? And then I was able to take that money, put it right back into stock and then go get some more real estate. So for me, I'm always looking at things like that. I'm, I'm looking for valuables. I'm looking for things that are high demand, small supply, right? So that if I want fast growth, that could be one of them. And then I can put it once again to preserve the wealth. I can put it in real estate. I can buy more gold and I can still say, hey, I got to enjoy that. I got to enjoy the Rolex watch. I got to enjoy the Lamborghini while I was making money, right? So I love, I love real estate to preserve wealth. Yes, if you, can, if you do it right, it also can create cash flow. And of course, you can get rentals, things like that. I'm a fan. I'm actually looking to get more into commercial property where, uh, you know, looking to, looking to do some things. I'm not going to say exactly what I'm doing, but we're looking to do some things with some commercial properties as well. So um, those are also really good tax write-offs. Tax, you get tax benefits in real estate are insane. So um, I, I love real estate though. So yeah, real estate and gold is definitely good. Yeah, definitely. My last question, what about, um, you do, do you do any artwork investing? Artwork? Yes. Uh, not as much as I'd like to. I'm more so getting into, and I'm, I'm going to, I haven't said this publicly, but I think this is going to be very helpful. Wine, wine collecting. The reason why I say wine, uh, don't get me wrong, artwork is great. Artwork is great. However, with climate change and, and the things that's going on uh, nowadays, um, you're noticing that, you know, first of all, have you, do you even see grapes at the grocery store anymore? How often can you go to the grocery store and see a plentiful amount of grapes? That's one question. I mean, this is how I invest. I like to look at very like, just simple, like, like, man, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Look, look for the grapes. I'm a big grape fan. That's why I say that because I know if I go to the store, I'm looking for grapes. Sometimes they just don't have grapes. Why climate change is affecting it. So what's going to happen is <laughs> these wine, you know, these, and they don't have to be crazy, you know, high bottles of wine. You can go get a $20, $30 bottle of wine that can appreciate over time. And as the supply shrinks, the demand is not going anywhere. People love wine. <laughs> so I think collecting wine on my end. So I'm actually looking at, at a, a, a personal residence now that it's going to have a huge wine cellar. So I could just buy these bottles of wine. And just place them in there because I don't drink, <laughs> believe it or not. I actually don't drink. I just I know other people like it. So for me, I'm going to be buying wine because I know the, the climate change and all the stuff that's going on. I know it's going to be less and less and less bottles of wine. So that's one thing. But I do like artwork. Uh, as we're looking for this property, I, I would like to get more artwork for that. Um, also, artwork has great tax benefits as well. So that's another thing that I like about art um but yeah man for me right now it's definitely gonna be more wine that i'm looking to buy because i think the upside you're talking two three four five hundred percent upside uh per bottle so it's it's looking good in that space oh that's interesting you say that man because one of my brothers he's actually a congressman he's a councilman down in west palm beach florida his wife who's my wife's cousin has started her own, she's got like her own wine. So I'm trying to get her own Black Men Sundays. It's interesting you mentioned that because, you know, I'm talking off with this man said, no, nah, you got to get on that wine. I'm like, oh, I, I know somebody that got her own wine. So I'm going to have to get in the game. I appreciate that, my brother, man. Yes, man, this was awesome, man. Wow. Taste sweat, man. Pulled up on Black Men Sunday. This brother pulled up on Black Men Sunday. This brother's working out. While wow, he's on Black Men Sundays. I think you're the first guest to do that. And I think, Eric, it was your first Black Men Sunday spotlight where not only did Alabama A&M lose, but uh, <laughs> you sang on this thing. You sang. And we, and we got the brothers Tay Sweat is on the treadmill the whole show. Wow. Hey, Black Men Sundays. Yeah, you see what we're doing over here. So Tay Sweat, man, I want to thank you first off i want to thank you for you know spending some time on your sunday with us man you in puerto rico you could have been 
you know, sipping on a Mai Tai. Even though you don't drink, man, you could have had you like an orange juice mimosa without the champagne. You know what I'm saying? So thanks for coming on Black Men Sunday, man. I appreciate you, all the gems, all the wisdom, man. And I want to tell you, man, enjoy the rest of your day and enjoy the rest of your week, my brother. Appreciate it, my man. Thanks for having me. And hey, same to you, man. Enjoy yourself. It's a Black Man Sunday.